Ladies and gentlemen, in the blue corner, standing at a sleek 5'11", 245 pounds, the tumultuous tempest of technique, Thomas Lilly. And in the red corner, at a curvaceous 5'11", 315 pounds, the jovial juggernaut of judgment, John Cheryl Sheridan. A meeting of the masters of mastication turn your attention as they delve deep into all things lifting and more. This is Peak Speak. Then I have to click the got it button before I can click record on my end. God, Thomas, there's a yep. process here. Recording. Here we are. Peak Speak. Episode number who knows. Volume. Something. We don't keep track of this thing. That's what we've got a media team for. That's Thanks, right. media team. Yes. Thank Can we you. also oh. get a round of applause oh. Oh. from everyone? Because today I'm excited to announce <laughs> Manscaped launched their ultra premium collection. Believe it or not, it's for your not so private parts. I'm talking about a leveled up hygiene routine with your favorite manly scent. This is an all-in-one skin and hair care kit for the everyday man and covers you from head to toe, literally. Manscaped is trusted below the waist. Now trust them with the rest. Join 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code PEAKSPEAK. I personally would recommend using the products in this order. Number one, hop in the shower scrub a dub dub that body with the manscaped body wash number two lather your hair up with the two-in-one shampoo conditioner to keep your noggin toggin number three dry off and spray on the hydrating body moisturizer to reinvigorate dry skin number four put on the manscaped deodorant for obvious reasons number five pop that manscaped lip balm on no one is out here kissing chapped up lips who told you to put the balm on Get, get 20% off and free shipping with the code PeakSpeak at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code PeakSpeak at manscaped.com. The power of attraction is now in a bottle, thanks to Manscaped. I didn't tell you to put a bomb on. Don't you put a bomb on. Um, Please don't. I'm so curious by the, the manly scent thing. Like, I was thinking about it. It actually smells kind of nice. Uh, like, I object to the concept of scents having a gender. Yeah, that's what I mean. Because yeah, yeah. I'm overwhelmingly more pleased by what you may describe as feminine scents. But I, is that the Dude, point? The only colognes I own are definitely women's colognes. <laughs> Like, uh, yeah, so I don't know, but it does smell nice. I use the the body wash and the shampoo and conditioner today. You know what else smells nice? Oh well, I know a few things that smell nice, but I have a suspicion I know what you're about to say. Freshly ground prism coffee beans mm -mm. smell better than any other coffee bean you've ever smelled. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Have no, yep. Get some sick ass discounts. Mm-hmm. I don't really have much else to add to that. But Sorry, I cut you off. You were saying you used the shampoo or something? Yeah, I used the shampoo and the body wash. It smells nice. Nice. And uh, for two-in-one shampoo and conditioner, it worked all right. I don't know if I should admit this publicly, but I don't <laughs> I don't think I've used shampoo since my hair was long, and my hair was long when I was like 17. Otherwise, I've never put a product in my hair to clean it. I just use the water. I mean, that's not unreasonable, but you also don't have a lot of hair. No. I keep it short. Uh, yeah, I 
probably spend more time on hair care because of my beard than I yes. have ever on my actual hair. <laughs> uh, but now I've also got longer hair as well, so it makes a difference. We need to get your beard oil sponsor for the podcast. Um, Do you use beard oil? Are you an oily guy? Yeah, so at the moment I, uh, I, I've gone through a phase of like balms, oils. Uh, at the moment I'm using a beard softening lotion from a company that Ooh. my barber gave me that is fucking amazing. It like my beard gets super tangled overnight because it's just curly as fuck, and uh, I can like put that shit in and then actually brush my beard without feeling like I'm ripping my face apart, <laughs> hair by hair, which is what it sometimes feels like. Nice. Uh, but yes, that's it's on the list of sponsors to chase. That and someone like Step One who makes fancy ass underwear for guys like you and I who have big ass legs mm. and big asses. Mm. Indeed, I was getting complaints from people like. APL is one of the federations that has the the rule around undies. You know, you can't wear brief style. You have to wear like the tidy whities. Yeah, tidy white. I've never known anything other than that style of underwear. And yeah, so see, when I, people are like, I can't wear those, I'm like, what? This, this is all I know. I need the comfort and the freedom. At the same time, I can't. I can't do anything else. The long leg nah. ones just roll up. Nah, see the so I've got a bunch of step one ones. I've been a long boxes brief kind of guy for a long time because I've got very fat legs and I need some sort of uh, protective layer between my thighs in order not to just end up chafed to shit every day of my life. Uh, see, th- this is this is what I don't get because I've had my thighs rubbing together since I was like eight years old, mm. and the skin between my thighs is like so smooth and frictionless and like. Uh, ergonomic that I, that I don't run into chafing issues. Well, my problem is then on like the where the seams in my shorts sit, because like because uh, I have the top of my legs and ass are really big. If I wear my shorts too low, then that fucks it up as well. You're but exposed. anyway, the, yeah, the step one ones work really nicely because they don't roll up. That was always my biggest concern: is you just end up with them rolling up your legs. But they're actually really good. Yeah, good. So shout yeah. out step one sponsor our podcast. Give us free undies. Bet you didn't think you were going to get five minutes of us talking about our underwear. <laughs> underwear tips. Well, yeah. here we are. That's just this is the roller coaster that is episode whatever number we're up to of Peak Speak, the kind of about powerlifting, but mostly just you and I talking shit podcast. All right, what are we talking about? Uh, well, I think following on from the more businessy, coachy end of the spectrum that we talked about uh, last week, week before. I don't know. It's all blending together at this point. Uh, I had thought we could have a discussion, mostly from an incredibly self-interested point of view, about the idea of like developing a, a system or a process that allows you to teach your coaching methodology to others. Uh, I have recently been talking to a bunch of coaches in Canberra who are like putting together a sort of monthly or bi-monthly like meetup, hangout kind of thing. And there was some discussion around education topics. And I said I'd actually be far more interested instead of trying to learn about individual topics, hearing each coach speak at different points about their coaching philosophy and how they you know, what the model they use for coaching is. Because I've spent a lot of time thinking about this over the last few years in sort of developing a coach development program similar in a similar vein to yours uh and i find that aspect of it fascinating because i don't think it's something i'd ever considered thinking about for the first several years of my coaching career because i was just kind of doing it and it's only then in 
having to think about how do we develop coaches and how do we teach this information in a somewhat systemized way that I've like learned a, a ton about how I coach and those sort of things. And so I think having a discussion from my point of view about how you did it, how you went through that process, but also I think some of the the things that can come up in, in doing that and the, the somewhat confronting questions you have to ask yourself occasionally. For sure, yeah. I mean, like you think of most people's journey in, in, uh, in their workplace life, you know, starts off generally with you know, low-level, low-paying jobs, or, which for most people ends up being some sort of hospitality uh, or laboring style job where you're just sort of plugged into a system. Mm. And you just assume that system, you know, you're shown the system, you learn it, you learn it really quickly. And before you know it, you're a valuable asset to that work team because you can do everything that you need to do as part of that system. You become another piece of the puzzle, another cog in the engine. When you're a coach and you just start coaching, you're not plugging into a system. You're, without realizing, developing your own system. Uh, And you develop this often for years and years and years and years and are never, ever, ever asked to articulate it in any way, shape or form. So the weirdest thing at first, you know, I had this experience when someone said, can you mentor me? You had this experience when you sort of started to get those questions as well or sort of thought maybe I should start mentoring people to develop new coaches. It's like, what the fuck even is my system? What do (laughs) I do? Like I do something and I do it well because I've survived doing it for this long. What is it that I do? It's it's quite, uh, quite an odd thing to sit back and be like, yeah, I really don't know what I do. Man, I reckon it took me weeks of like thinking about that before I wasn't just like terrified about the fact that I know nothing and I have no idea what I'm doing and this is all fucked and like, what are you doing? Like I had to actively avoid that thought for a little while because I had to think about like, okay, well, let's break this down. How am I going to organize it? Those sort of things. And it's it's been for me, at least in listening to people like you talk, uh, even like reading Pat Davidson's book and, and those sort of things where it's other people presenting their model for how they train and those sort of things that I've been able to sit back and go, oh, okay, yep, cool. I do have a model and it, like it does work because it's been working for years, as you said, but articulating that in a logical and well thought out process that doesn't just come off as a rambly stream of conscious bullshit essay is actually quite hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think one of the, one of the most difficult parts, like in terms of like a hurdle that you have to overcome, um, is just uh, creating a distinction between the system and the principles and the processes that you use versus the personal spin that you put on that system. Yeah. You know, it's like if we could be, both be given a, a perfect recipe from Stefan for brisket, our two briskets might come out vastly different based on how we treat each step differently. And what we're trying to do or what you are trying to do as a coach when you extract your system from what you're already doing is exactly that, is extracting the recipe um, and trying to remove your personal spin on it so you can showcase people to people the recipe because they'll have their own personal spin that they are going to put on it and it's really quite difficult because what happens inevitably along the way is you notice parts of your personal spin that are just kind of wrong yeah that that you that you probably need to change you know you find yourself or i certainly had this experience especially early on teaching things and even as i was teaching it being like you could do it this way but i do it this way then i have to walk away from that and be like why wouldn't I do it that other way? 
that actually sounds better than what I'm currently doing. And then going away and challenging yourself as to, do I need to change this? And so, I mean, we've spoken about this a bunch on the podcast and I, I can only say it and, you know, 10,000 times more. This is so valuable to teach what you know and to teach what you do because it makes you so much better at what you do. And it makes you so much better as a coach, like knowing how to teach better. Man, I think I've trimmed so much bullshit out of the way I talk to people about training because of this process, because I've had to sit down and be like, well, like analyzing every aspect of what am I saying? Like, why are you telling this person about this concept when like, you know, Susie soccer mom doesn't actually give a shit about her infrasternal angle or some other techno jargon that like I really fucking love nerding out on because I like going deep into these rabbit holes of concepts and ideas but the average person probably doesn't give a shit and so I think the that process while I agree is incredibly confronting in many ways because you also have to sit there and treat yourself like my fucking three-year-old treats me sometimes, and just ask why hundreds and hundreds of times until either you have a tantrum and yell at someone or you get to the nuts and bolts of like, what are you actually talking about? And do you actually understand these concepts? Because that's been the other aspect of it for me is like recognizing how much I don't know or how much I haven't put conscious effort into developing as an aspect of what I do because it's been outside of my wheelhouse. You know, when it comes to like developing cardio systems and things like that, that I just haven't done a lot of. But now because it's part of my own training, but also the spectrum of people I, that I see has broadened that those holes, like identifying those holes is actually really, uh, I think, not both, uh, not just beneficial, but really cool to see, like to be able to plug those holes. And once you get past the emotional like response to fuck, I don't know anything. I'm inferior. This is bullshit you can get into like, fuck yeah, I'm excited to learn these aspects and continue to build this system. Cause that's the thing that I find once I get past all the confronting shit is I'm really excited about the prospect of being able to teach this to people. And mostly it's because it helps me be better at what I'm doing because I just have a better understanding of what I'm doing. Mm, for sure. For sure. I think, um, you know, coaches listening to this thinking about either systemizing for the sake of an educational program, you know, mentorships becoming more and more popular, um, creating or extracting your system for the sake of bringing staff on board or, or more coaches on board, or just creating uh, or extracting your system for the sake of it to be better as a coach and understand what you do better. One of the hard pills to swallow for a lot of people is that this can be systemized. Um, and the reason why that's a hard pill to swallow is because it means you have to throw the individual card that coaches love to play out the window a little bit. Um, not completely, uh, but you certainly have to recognize that we are all the same animal. We are all built the same, even though we're different shapes and sizes. You know, we all have shoulders, we all have hips, we all have lungs. Um, we have to be able to throw away the individual card to have a system that applies to everyone and then understand how the individual impacts that. And that can be a really difficult pill to swallow because a lot of people who can't solve a problem will just chuck that card out there. Oh, this, it's, it's not the same for this person. It probably is the same for this person. You just haven't worked out the system to be able to fix it. Um, 
you know, it's something that historically I've copped flack for, for treating everyone like they're the same. But that's exactly why this system has been so successful is because I've learned to find more and more and more similarities and understand how I can see a universal animal and then apply a system to that, recognizing the individual differences. Man, one of those things, like on that note, I found early on I faced like a bit of a blockage in the process because I was looking at something like that and being like a bit hurt about the concept of being able to have a training algorithm that you can essentially apply to everyone. Like, oh, it's exactly that. It's that like, oh, no, this is the individual. Like, this is why we're doing it for this person. Like, there's still heaps of that in what I do, but so much more of what I do is about like, control c control v and like actually you know that's the hidden secret of all of this shit is like a lot of it once you work out a process that works and is repeatable is copy paste and then adjust you know variables individually and adjust the language you use for the individual and all of those sort of things but again it's like it's confronting to realize that maybe you're not as important in this process as you thought (laughs) yeah yeah and i mean like if you're listening to that and that that statement or that process kind of resonates with you, the place to start is to sit back and you know take a bird's eye view. What are the things that I do the same for everyone? And there'll be a whole bunch of stuff that you do exactly the same for everyone. So you can s- take a step back and be like, you know what? Even if someone's tall, short, big, little, male, female, whatever, no, no matter who they are, you probably teach them to breathe and brace the same. Okay, so there's the same mechanics happening underneath the surface, no matter who the person is. That's something you do universally. Now look at it, something else that you treat individual. You're like, okay, well, this person needs to put their feet here and angle their feet there for a squat. This person does it differently in this way. It's like, why do you do that for those two people differently? It's so they can articulate the same thing that you're looking for further in the system, maybe at the hips. Then you're like, okay, there's another thing that I look at the same regardless of who the person is. So you will have this system that you would apply to everyone. Anyone who, you know, really plays the individual card hard is probably just not aware of how much of what they do points back to their gold standard because they don't know what their gold standard is. And taking a step back and looking for all the similarities, all the things that you truly believe in and try to apply to everyone, single person, will help you start to build the skeleton of this system. And then from there, you can understand why you do different things for individuals. Yeah, and that whole process is like actually quite a significant growth point that you'll go through as coach as a coach. And I think a lot of coaches get there and never actually make it through that through either stubbornness or a lack of awareness of self and ego and all of those sort of things. But if you can get beyond that point and get to the point where you're like actually know all of this can be sort of stepwise built out into a process that doesn't is is not disingenuous because that was the thing for me is early on it feels a bit like you're selling this coaching service but it's like almost like you're overselling it a little bit sometimes like oh fully customized programming like yeah i still control c control v a lot of it because it works the process works and the customization comes in how we address different aspects the, the language we use in the exercises we use but the base of that is still an algorithm that works for most or almost everyone. Mm. And I think I certainly experienced that feeling of like a little bit of a disconnect between like the product that I'm selling and how I think about it myself. Because for me, it was all like, oh, no, if it's fully customized, it has to be fully customized. Well, like, no, not necessarily, because the vast majority of us are doing the same things, moving in the same direction 
it's just different minor changes in how we present it. And I think, um, yeah, I, again, certainly learned a lot in that process of recognizing that the vast majority of what I do is just a if this, then that statement that repeats recurringly until Excel crashes. Mm, for sure, for sure. And uh, like one thing that it's, it's really highlighted for me is where the learnings meet the practical application in a way that's actually meaningful. So what I mean by that is like the standard upskilling course or pathway for a coach often looks like go and do like some sort of um, uh, functional anatomy or physiology style course, learn more about anatomy, physiology. Uh, and th that doesn't actually help a great deal until you understand how it works in your system. So for example, you, I mean, ask me right now, where does the supraspinatus originate and insert? I have no fucking idea. I was gonna yeah. say, don't ask me. I have no fucking idea. I, I know it's somewhere up in the shoulder, you know? Yeah. Uh, but like, how does that help me then go and teach a bench press? Well, it doesn't. Are, are muscles important? Yeah, for sure. But it's like, once we can apply what we need to know anatomically into a system that involves some sort of coaching outcome, then we realize how little, um, a, a in-depth knowledge or an in-depth knowledge on these these concepts actually is and so like you know i meet a lot of people who know a lot more stuff about that than i do and initially when i saw other people talking about it you know making a post about the role of this muscle or that joint or where it is in space i'd get intimidated by it i'd read it and feel a bit of imposter syndrome being like i need to know this stuff then i'd walk away and be like I just read that. I understood it because I have done, you know, I've done university level anatomy and physiology and forgotten about it because I <laughs> yeah. never had to apply it in any way, shape, yeah. or form. Having an understanding of it helps me read and digest uh, certain levels of information, which is great. Uh, but when it comes to practical application in my role as a coach, I drew on it so little that I lost so much of that knowledge. You know, I forgot so much of it because we don't use it. And so, Man helping you also going understanding these universal principles that apply to everyone will really help you understand where your learning translates into action and what you need to know because you'll find those holes and then you'll go out and learn that shit man the reason i have an anatomy like a bunch of anatomy posters stuck on the window of my office at the gym is not because i think any of the clients are using it so every now and again i can go and look at it and be like oh yeah that's right that's where that is. Oh, the, <laughs> the quads are on the legs. Oh, fuck. I forgot again. Yeah, yeah. Shit. Plus those ones you have are fucking cool. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't have the cool ones. Oh, the they're, at they're, at, they're at home. Uh, but, man, I like the amount of time I've spent like learning a bunch of shit, drill, like reading a textbook and taking notes on a textbook and doing all those sort of things and then just fucking forgetting all of it because it's like it's really interesting information and I enjoy the process of learning and synthesizing it but then I never actually use any of it mm -hmm. and so it doesn't actually go anywhere uh for me one of the big like turning points was actually when watching Pat present his model one of the first questions he asked is like what is the training process like what is training it's like his definition was something like uh systematic ap application of stress to drive specific physiological adaptations right or, or something like that and i was like oh when you actually like bring everything back to asking that question first then you can talk about everything else in a way that's actually practical and applicable because if you start at the other end of the spectrum sometimes i think which a lot of people want to do you end up just getting 
covered in mud trying to figure it out and explain the process when you work backwards from that first principles idea of like what are we actually trying to do with this process and then okay well what does that process look like what are the common threads all of that sort of thing i think that for me has been the change in viewpoint that has allowed me to actually make a lot of progress in this you know thought experiment for the most part Mm. Um, which is what i was just gonna say it's it's then solidified my language and my understanding of how I communicate this idea to people. And so I've just streamlined the whole process. Like I'm better already having not actually taught this to anyone, but just spent a ton of time thinking about it because it's helped me clarify my message and my, the language I'm using in describing these concepts in a way that is digestible for the average person, which if you're a coach and you're not targeting the vast majority of your information at the average person, you're doing yourself a serious disservice. For sure, for sure. And like at at the risk of almost sounding like we are um, discouraging further learning, we're definitely not. Um, But in in terms of practical application with the the kind of roles that we're discussing, what John just said about understanding training and then basically reverse engineering it from there, you'll learn very quickly how far backwards you need to go. And a lot of us, again, our upskilling process starts way too far down that line. You know, way, way further than we ever need to go to understand our training methodologies and improve them. Um, we just end up with a whole bunch of really cool information that can be super useful, but isn't probably that directly useful to our practice. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, like, uh, it, it's, it's exactly why I created the coach development course in the first place because I felt like the education that we had access to, A, there was a massive hole in the market. No one was doing powerlifting courses to begin with. And even since then, the powerlifting courses that have come out are so general in the sense of like, here's some functional anatomy and here's some tips. Whereas my course is more along the lines of here is an exact system. Uh, and along the ways I'm g- along the way, I'm going to show you how you can apply that system. Um, because again, there's, there's just nothing to teach that. Like think of the average personal trainees pathway. You just, get the, the ticket and you start doing it. You just figure it out as you go along. There's no one out there teaching you this is a squat and this is how you do it. And so the more of us doing this sort of stuff and the more of us getting these ideas based on first principles out there, the better the coaching world's gonna be, the, the better the outcomes are gonna be for clients, the bigger the sport or the, the general idea of strength training is gonna grow. Everything's great about it. And I think even if you're you know, like sitting here listening to a discussion like this. I mean, I sit here and listen to you talk about yours and still get fucking intimidated by it regularly. Like you are one of my closest friends that still intimidates the shit out of me regularly. Uh, I think it's important as a coach to recognize that even if you never intend to coach coaches, if you have no desire to be in a position like Thomas where you have a staff of people who all coach under your umbrella, I think this process is incredibly important because it allows you to be clear about what it is that you're doing and then you can streamline everything that you do and it makes you a better coach and a more effective coach because instead of having to sit there and think about all the individual factors everyone has, you've got a process that's like, okay, well, this person has shoulders and hips and a rib cage and a brain and the force of gravity and a barbell. And we know how to work with all of those things. And here's the process that we're going to follow. You just, everything in that process becomes easier. You get better at it. You communicate more effectively with the people you're working with, which means ultimately you get better results and you get more business. It works that way pretty Mm. simply. 
yeah, it's, it's funny how we basically systemize everything that we ever do in our lives. You know, like any, any yeah, to route. a point of like complete autonomy. Yeah. I never have to think about driving my car to work. Sometimes <laughs> I get here and I'm like, I wasn't going to work. I was going somewhere else completely and I'm on the wrong fucking side of town because I just accidentally drove to work. Mm. So if, you know, if you're going down the systems route, you know, extract, extracting your system uh, and let's say you do have a business outcome for it, you know, teaching it. I don't know why I've gone all bevy. The the important thing to understand is that it's not like if you come from the place of laziness or the place of like, if I can get this, I've got a product that I can sell rather than a place of genuine. I have a system here that can truly help people and uh, people are, are going to be willing to buy it. And so I can continue to improve it so I can help people more. If you just go out with a system uh, built on trying to make your life easier for the sake of selfishness, you're probably not going to go that far. Like you, uh, you're going to get it to a point where it's, it's just a, like, I like the term Facebook ready, you know, good enough to take a photo and put it on Facebook. Shout out Scott Watson circa 2009. <laughs> that is still one of my favorite fucking descriptions of things ever. Facebook ready. Yeah. yeah. 100%. You're going to get it Facebook ready, but it's not going to be, um, I can't remember why I even started going down that route, I guess. Um, well, it's just not going to be a genuine product. Like that's the that's the big thing for me is actually the disingenuous nature of doing this for selfish reasons. Like it it it's really fucking obvious the coaches who are selling a mentorship program exclusively so they can cash in on that aspect of the market. It like it reeks of it. Anyone who's been around it can see that shit. If you've got a coach who genuinely gives a shit about what they're doing and either working with general population clients or working coaching coaches because you've developed your process to that point, as long as you are coming at it because you genuinely give a shit about helping people, Mm. then you'll get results and it'll work. But you have to start there, I think, and develop everything else after that point. Sweet. Well. I didn't actually have a great deal else to say. Actually, I might say this. I think um, understanding the learning process is going to be really helpful as well. Um, in terms of uh, you know, inf- information is not learning. Um, information is part of the learning process. But for you to learn, for you to understand your own system and then for you to teach in a meaningful way so that others can learn it's like exposure and recall is how people do this is the same for queuing if you're teaching someone how to lift you expose them to the idea and then you get them to recall it Uh, whether that's verbally recalling it writing it down performing it you know in the in the context of lifting this is why single cues repeated lots of times work way better than a, a bag of cues saying to do the same thing you say that thing 10 times and you get them to do it 10 times all of a sudden they've heard it and they've recalled it 20 times they know it and it's the same with learning you know like so we've already done the learning when we have a system that even if we don't realize what it is the recall the the bringing it up and saying it helps us solidify that see all the holes in it and it's the same thing when you're teaching it to someone else um, if you're going down this route of um, teaching other people your system it's important to have some sort of system that involves providing the information but getting the the person on the other end to be able to recall it uh, otherwise it's just more information for the sake of information that's why we forget this anatomy stuff we remember it we recall it enough to pass an exam and then we never have to recall it again and disappears man it's all a skill right like mm. presenting this as a skill lifting is a skill learning to coach is a skill and to get better at any skill, you've got to have a process for repeating it consistently over a long period of time. 
I'm only in a position now, 10 years into it, after having been thinking about this idea for like probably the last five years, am I actually in a position where I feel I know enough about the process and I am in a position to do this now? Five years ago, I wasn't because I just didn't have the reps. And I think too many of us want to skip the reps that are getting good at this process first and jump straight into like teaching everyone my process and my perfect system. And it just doesn't work like that. Amazing. Thanks very much for listening. Give us five stars. We'll catch you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>